When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I have a guest coming up now that I've, I've interviewed before. She's been on my shows before. In the height of her, I guess, her dominance, when she was the best billiards player in the world she was on, this is quite a lady. You know, she's from Brooklyn. Her name is Jeanette Lee, and she's known as the Black Widow of Billiards. And I love this ESPN 30 for 30, what they do. You know, my friend Billy Corbin directed a couple of those. He did Cocaine Cowboys, and he did the Miami piece on 30 uh, for 30. And some of these pieces, uh, pieces are great, and they're doing one on Jeanette, which I'm really happy about. Jeanette Lee versus. It's coming up, actually, on December the 13th at 8 p.m. If you don't know about Jeanette, she, uh, for the better part of the 90s and the 2000s, she was the number one female pool player in the world. Main standard, ESPN2. She's great on TV. She, um, she earned her nickname, the Black Widow of Billiards, by eating her competitors alive at the pool table. She always wore a black dress, two-fingered glove, and smoking hot. I'm going to say that at the risk of uh, maybe embarrassing her or her getting angry. I don't care. Smoking hot. But um, Jeanette right now is going through a very difficult time, and I can appreciate this because of what I just went through with Bernard, my partner, we lost back in October. Jeanette is um, right now fighting stage four ovarian cancer. And this is uh, the biggest fight of her career, obviously, above and beyond any billiards matches that she won. And it's, it's great to have her on this morning. I'm really looking forward to this piece on December the 13th. Jeanette, Sid Rosenberg again here in New York. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, you've been on with me a couple of times before. I've met you actually once in person. And, uh, you know, you're great on TV, ESPN, too, so people know you anyway. But you always do a really great yeah. radio interview. I, uh, first and foremost, I need to know in this battle with cancer, how are you feeling and what is the latest with that? You know, I'm, j- I'm just doing a lot better. I went through chemo, battled that, um, and it took a few months more. I continued on chemotherapy. After I finished my six rounds of chemo, then I, um, they kept me on chemotherapy, but just pills, two pills in the morning, two pills at night, right. to try to keep the cancer at bay. And, um, but by no- late November of last year, they said that I was cancer-free according to the test results. But they also remind me that ovarian cancer is one of those cancers that pretty much always comes back. Mm. Well, we'll take the so good news for now. Let's take the good news for now. Worry about that right. later. What, uh, what happened, Jeanette, in your life that um, led you to get this diagnosis? What was going on? Are you there? Um, what, what led me to the... Yeah, what was going on in your life that you started to realize that you were sick? I'm sorry, what did you say? I said, what, what was happening in your life that you started to realize that you were sick, that you, and you went, ended up going for this diagnosis? Oh, what was going oh, on? I, I understand. Yeah, I was actually in bed, and every time I would lay down, 
like when I was walking around, I'd be fine. But when I would go to lay down, I would almost feel like something was sitting on my chest. Mm. And it was harder to breathe. And then the next night, it almost felt like I was drowning. And I was like, that's really weird. And, you know, I have a history of anxiety attacks. And I thought, man, maybe I'm choking. I feel like maybe it's an anxiety attack. Um, So I set up a little bit more because it seemed to help it. But by the third time when I laid down, that was it. I said, this is not normal. There's something wrong. I absolutely cannot breathe laying down. So that's when we went to the hospital. Got and it. we just figured it, you know, we, we, we were never thinking cancer at all. That never, never crossed my mind. It's not in our family history. And so it really slammed us. Mm. And then after that, I was just... Um, I was really so upset about thinking about the idea of leaving my children without a mother, right? I have six children, three of them still at home, three girls, and I just I just could not imagine them continuing on without me around and I was just like, "No. No." So that was that was my first thought is my children. And then my second thought was, "Okay, I'm not doing this alone." You know, this this has to be a journey, and I have to do something good with this so that it makes sense. You know, when things happen to you, you can either choose to be pitiful or you can choose to be inspirational. And I choose to inspire. And so what what can I do? I mean, all I can do is fight for my life. And now that I'm on, you know, now that I'm a little bit healthier, I still have, you know, residual chemo fog and different things like that from everything, but I'm sure that that'll get better. But I'm excited about the future and I'm excited to be part of the V Foundation and this documentary happening right now, it was a dream come true because, you know, when you find out about ovarian cancer, stage four, you see your life just pass before you. And they did a really, really good job of wanting to get to know the real me and to dig into my past, and I mean, it was an enormous amount of work, and I'm really pleased with what they did. I'm excited about it. Me too. Hope you guys all tune in. We will <laughs> Tuesday night, December the 13th, 8 p.m. ESPN. Janet Lee. Now, I'm from Brooklyn. Grew up uh, East 22nd in Quentin by Madison High School. Where'd you go up in Brooklyn? What part? Nice, Flatbush Crown Heights. Nice. I went to PS 91 down in. Brooklyn near Kings County Hospital. Oh, I know it well. So, so tell me this. I know your story already, but we're acting as if we've never met and talked before. How does a beautiful woman uh, in, a, in a sport that is dominated by men for a thousand years, a thousand years, the game of billiards, even though I have to tell you, Jeanette, on my first date, there's a true story, I told you this before, my wife at Cafe Society kicked my ass in a game of billiards. That was our first date, and I was like, oh, my God, this is hot. Uh, wow. Uh, yeah, it's true. How, do, how did you become the best player in the world in a sport dominated by men for so long? Well, I was, I mean, first of all, I was super a competitive person to begin with, but I was completely just mesmerized by the game. Every time you break, there's a different picture, and you're the artist, and you get to choose your patterns and how you're going to kind of deal with these different puzzles. And so I just loved it. I just felt like every time I wasn't playing pool, there were 
thousands of women gaining on me, and every time they were watching a movie, going out to a nice dinner, going to the beach, or doing anything else, if I was playing pool, I'd be gaining on them. So I just played a lot of pool. (laughs) 20 to 30 hours at a time was very normal. I think the most anyone recorded, because I never really recorded it, he said I was there for 37 hours. Now, wait a second. This is not a pool table in the basement of your house in Brooklyn. You're going to pool parlors in Brooklyn, right, like all over town or one specific place? Well, I started at um, Chelsea Billiards. That's when I saw my first, you know, I walked in out of curiosity, but there was a really great player, Johnny Ervolino, in the back table, and I watched him, and he was so graceful, and I thought, man, this is what I want to do. And I didn't think about it professionally. I just wanted to do it. I loved it. But I think um, I really tried hard to look exactly like them and learn the patterns. And I asked a lot of questions, which was annoying to everyone, I'm sure. (laughs) But, yeah, I just worked hard. I just tried to be playing when everybody wasn't. My back was always a problem always in the way. So that's when I started working out and really paying attention to the strength of my body and my endurance. And then I worked on my mental game. I read Dr. Uh, Bob Rotella's Golf is Not a Game of Perfect. And he reviews the pre-shot routine because golf is very similar to pool. It's a pendulum swing. Yep. Yeah. No, I know that. But I, I you back... don't get to play you sometime. No, I'm terrible. Stop it. Come on. You, you, would, you would destroy me. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm reading a list here of the all-time great players, and they've got people like Willie Moscone. They've got Minnesota Fats. Yeah. There are some women on this list, by the way. There's uh, ladies like um, you've got Allison Fisher, and you've got another young lady by the name of Kelly Fisher. Uh, you're better than both of those? Yes oh, or yeah. no? Yeah, yeah. So, so did you, when you were becoming a great pool player, did you, like, watch people like Minnesota? I know Alfred Reyes is the best player right now, but did you watch people like Minnesota Fats to try to improve your game, or you just did your own thing? No, actually, well, I do have Billy Moscone's book, actually, but I I wouldn't say that that was the, the thing that, when I met him, he was in his 80s, I think. You know, when I was playing, when I was playing pool, yeah, because he was quite a bit older than me, so I wasn't, and there weren't a lot of videos and things like that where you could watch him. It wasn't like YouTube today, where you could basically see anything, right, right, and have everything uploaded. So it was very, it was hard to get anything like that. I just heard about them, but there were so many great players in New York City. Uh, Chelsea Billiards, where I started, that's on Twenty First between Fifth and Sixth, but it's been completely completely redone. Now it's a, a nightclub with some pool tables in it called Slate Billiards. Yes, I've been there. It's a very like, nice place. Very nice, yes. Yes. And still they... And I remember uh, Cafe Society. Yeah. <laughs> Those are the good old days from the city. Those are the days of Cafe Iguana, Cafe Society... Rascals, yep. all those cool clubs in the city where I'm sure you took. Now, last thing, I, you know, I always think of the movie with uh, Wesley Snipes and Woody Harrelson. They walked onto a basketball court. It was called White Men Can't Jump. And they would walk Love on the it. Yeah, they walked on the court like they didn't know how to play ball, and they would take thousands from people. I got to imagine Jeanette Lee walks up to a pool table. These jerks, these guys are like, ha ha, look at this lady. Did you win like thousands of dollars before you became pro, taking guys for their money? Be honest. I plead the fifth. 
<laughs> I love it. That's a yes. Uh, <laughs> but I would say, yeah, pretty much. I mean, I would say it. Yeah, yeah. you can you can make a lot of money being a woman yeah. playing pool because no matter what. I mean, one thing I can say I probably did not do. I didn't hustle, meaning I didn't try to act like I couldn't play pool. I always played my game. Right. But for some reason, I was still constantly, constantly underestimated. And they would, you know, they would give me weight and handicaps that they should had no business giving to me. But I'm like... (laughs) They want my money as much as I want oh, theirs, God. and they put themselves yeah. in this situation. I yeah. didn't lie to them. I didn't cheat. I didn't do anything. He's just an idiot. So, <laughs> but people <laughs> they, stepped but, into the right, but, stepped into the field, you but, know. But people tend to drink a lot when they play pool. Did guys try to get you drunk? Hey, buy this girl with some shots, and uh, then we'll beat her every time. Did you drink when you played before you became a pro? Obviously, no. In New York City, you couldn't be in a pool room with liquor. Really? I think nine years later, which was mostly David Brenner and Greg Hunts, um, they're the ones that really pushed for years to be able to sell liquor in a pool room. The rule was you can't have more than two bar tables in an establishment um, if you sell liquor. Wow. I didn't know that. How about that? Yes. So when I was starting to play at Chelsea Billiards, all they had was coffee. They had espresso machines. <laughs> they had um, servers. It was really a cool, beautiful place. And they kept it really nice, and there were a lot of great players that passed through there. Oh, that's awesome. Folks, I want you to watch this. Uh, this is a really great lady, Jeanette Lee. She's had quite a career. Uh, thank God she's feeling better these days. Tuesday, December the 13th at 8 p.m. on ESPN. Now, was that Jeanette Lee V's, as in Jimmy V, or Versus? It is Versus, but I am an ambassador for the Jimmy V Foundation, and I'm very proud to be able to do something for, something to go back to ovarian cancer, something to matter. Oh, I love it. You Listen, uh, best of luck to you. You stay well. I hope this thing is a huge success. And I look forward to speaking with you many, many more times over the years. Congratulations, Jeanette. Thanks for coming on today. All right. Thank you. Bye. Take care. Jeanette Lee, folks. Once again, check it out. December the 13th, 8 p.m. ESPN. Jeanette Lee versus, and if you're a guy in this city who listens to me and played pool back in the 90s and 2000s, oh, she took a couple of bucks from you. I'll guarantee you that.